wheels make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast. Here from the Bills, back as of Chicago, Illinois. An intimate session today to talk about that crap fest. I'm, I'm Lars. Joining me today, the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton is here. If you hear me chomping, I'm chomping on some chips and salsa. We both are. And for the uninitiated, that means we're trying to exercise some demons. A much maligned snack here in the Bills and Beers squad. Uh, but not after today, because what? Like, might, might as well try something new. It can't, do, it can't get worse. It can't get worse. And if you're still with, if you're still with us, God bless you. Uh, because um, I sure wouldn't want to listen to a Bills podcast any longer. And um, do, do you even want to record a Bills podcast? No. In fact, I left the rig at home and I looked at Cassie and said, "Well, that's okay. That's okay." Um, this podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. You bet, you play, you win, you get paid. Use the promo code BEERS at MyBookie.ag and get a 50% match on your deposit. Cass, let's not waste any more of our Sunday. No, let's not. And let's just get right into it because uh, there's not much to say. and we're, It's probably already been said by me on Twitter today. So here we go. Come on, come on. Come on and shout. Final score, 41 for the Bears and 9 for the Bills. Uh, this makes 9 20-point-plus blowouts during the Sean McDermott era. I will look that up, Cass, as you talk through this. Uh, Trust the process. There's so much to get into. Um, we'll start with you, though, before we before we dive deep into... Everything that made this game yeah. borderline unwatchable. Excuse me. Not borderline. Entirely unwatchable. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about some of the bright spots in the yeah. game. If you can yeah. identify some. So you do that. I'm going to look up some key statistics. Uh, you're Labatt Blue, MVP of today's contest. Labatt Blue player of the game. Um, I'm going to have two, actually, and not to inflate any egos. But, Lars, I'm going to give you an honorable mention. Um, because when you did forget the rig... Unlike every single player on the field, you know what you did? You bucked up, you showed up, you went back, and you got the rig. You became a player in the game today. You said, I am not going to be held down. I am going to do what I am supposed to do. Unlike every single player on our offense. So honorable mention goes to Lars. Uh, secondary to that, my actual Labatt Blue player of the game, I'm going to give it to Shaq Lawson. Because uh, Trent Murphy, don't know why we have him on the team, uh, can't seem to stay healthy, whether it's his knee or his groin or something below his bottom of his extremities, um, can't seem to stay on the field. But Shaq Lawson, I feel like, has done a very good job stepping into his role on this team, especially given the fact that we thought that he was a dumpster fire of a draft pick over the last two years. So I'm liking to, I'm liking seeing what he's doing out there um, on the defense and kind of becoming a player that actually shows up on the defense and, and, and contributes. That's a generous pick. Um, I, I'm not giving my Labatt Blue to anybody who played today, but it came up here in our brief conversations at the bar. I'm giving mine to Josh Allen uh, because we've now seen the control group uh, what the offense looks like when he's not in there. And it is completely unbearable. At, <laughs> at uh, three touchdowns now in the last 26 quarters, or I'm, and I'm not going to be generous, so I'll say a touchdown every nine quarters, it's not going to be till December 2nd before this team scores another touchdown. I, I can't even count the touchdown that we got. 
You, you. So we've scored three touchdowns in the last 26 quarters. Two of them, including today's, were QB runs. LaShawn McCoy, through nine games, has zero touchdowns. Okay? Uh, so my Labatt Blue MVP goes to Josh Allen because, you know, at least when he was in there, some crazy shit happened every once in a while in offense, and it didn't look completely incompetent. I mean, it looked bad. It looked bad when he was in there, but it was at least, at times, fun. It looked like a rookie running the offense, which is what he is. A rookie with a really, really, really bad offense. And a really strong arm. The quick count that I did just now in, uh, well, we had 17 games last year because of the playoff game. Uh, nine games, so 26 games this year. Uh, Sean Mc, 26 games into the Sean McDermott era. We have lost by 30 or more points five times. Uh, and I don't know how many times in the in the years prior, but I, I gotta believe you gotta go back a long time to find five. I wish I would have done this entire look up, but I didn't have quite time. So let's get right into the Jenny Cremel bummer of the week. And it's, um, it's pretty easy at this point to say that between McDermott, Bean, and Brian Dable, one of two things is going to happen. One of three things, rather. They're all going to be gone in like two months. Uh, or we're going to suffer through another one of these seasons, and they're going to be gone in 14 months. Or they're going to turn it around. But by those odds, that means they're twice as likely to get the can. And at this point, who would argue otherwise? Because systemically, this team sucks. It sucks worse than a lot of the bad football teams that we spent a lot of our time watching in the last 16 years. And today's game was just the icing on top of the dumbass cherry. I love how uh, McDermott says that he's always got to watch the tape. I like, don't. What, what, what are you watching? Literally, like... Do you watch and then think, okay, I'm going to do the opposite of everything there? Like, it seems like we were, number one, not prepared at all for this game. Not on offense, we weren't. Not, not, like, at all. There was no scheme. Like, running the ball? Just stop running the ball. Like, Ryan Dable's run scheme? I, I can you call it a scheme? I was just about to ask that. I'm, I, I, would call, I would stop short of calling it any kind of plan, process, scheme. Design. I would. I would not. I would not use the word design to uh, describe the way his plays are drawn up. If they're even drawn up, if they even exist somewhere on a board or an iPad or anywhere for anybody to study them, because they don't work at all. Shady McCoy cared about nothing in his first three years in Buffalo, except for his road to Canton, which has hit a huge detour in the 2018 season. If there is any Labatt Blue to be had for the season, it's going to have to be McCoy because at least he'll come away with something this year. And instead, a running back his age is having a completely lost year. He would have been better off getting injured because it would be more likely for him to come back stronger. I And I know that you guys are saying, no, McCoy can't run this offense, but today nobody could. It, I don't think it's the players. I legitimately think... It's on the coaching side of the ball. How could it not be at this point? It took how many? I mean, it took nine plays to punch it in from 15 yards out. After, after 
a figment of our imagination pass interference play where Benjamin just fell over. Fa- fell over. Yeah. Like, didn't even make an attempt on the ball. Like, he fell tripped. over. Tripped. tripped and over the for some monster. reason, we get a penalty on it. And it's still he didn't even st- act. He didn't even, like, go down and, like, oh, come on. Like, it was... It, it was such a joke. And it still took us three run plays to get it in from the one-yard line. Three. So. And then, oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. On top of that, what happens? Oh, let's go for two. Great. Go for two points. Love it. Yes, I agree with that. Even though I don't really agree because I was playing against the Bears defense, and so I could have used ten points against the, against the Bears defense, but no. So going for two, what play do we call? We call... A wide receiver screen, like fade pass. The old fade. To, the, was, it, was it Terrell Pryor? To, to Terrell Pryor, who's been on our team for four days, by a quarterback who is god awful. Like, what in your that and that percent that play has what percent chance of completion? Like five percent. With the guys we have throwing and catching the ball. Yes, five percent. I mean, I'm being generous by five percent. This is what we talked about on Monday night, where. That's stable. Yeah, because you can't, we can't expect the quarterback and the wide receivers to make plays. We can't. So we have to scheme guys open. We have to be creative. We have to get guys into space. As much as I hate that term, it has to be done. And I understand that we have a very untalented offense and a bad offensive line. That all falls on Brandon Bean. Yep. We have $10 million sitting there, and I'm tired of hearing about the cap situation. I don't give a shit about the cap situation. There's no, there's no talent on the offensive side of the ball. We've got a great core on defense, but these guys are going to run out of runway before the offense gets its shit together, and they're going to be fired, and we're going to be going through this process again, having invested a ton of resources into the quarterback of the future that the next guys probably aren't going to want. That all falls to McBean. And while... Granted, we are not talented. This is the goddamned NFL. Three touchdowns in 26 quarters is ridiculous. Zero touchdowns for LaShawn McCoy is unacceptable. LaShawn McCoy is talented. How we have not been able to figure out a way to get him into the end zone once in nine games is unacceptable. So, correct, we don't have a lot of talent, and if you've been listening to this podcast now since we started doing it in 2009, you will note this is the first time that we have said this is on the offensive coordinator, this is on play calling, because it's not like we're scoring 10, 17, 22 points a game, and we're right there, and if, if it just if things would have gone just a little bit differently, Maybe we could have eked one out, which is where we've been seemingly forever. No, we are not even in the same league as most of our opponents. And, and these are, I know that they're terrible. I know that our team is not good, but they are professionals. That's what and I they say. did something in their career in, from when they were, what, eight years old playing peewee football all the way up until this point to make it to where they are. Steve Johnson, Donald Jones, What's-His-Face Nelson, Scott Chandler, C.J. Spiller. Those guys were the 14th-ranked offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Those guys are so much worse than Kelvin Benjamin, LaShawn McCoy, Charles Clay, Jason Kroon. 
It's not. It's not even measurable. Zay Chris Jones, Ivory. Chris Ivory. It's not even close. Even Terrell Pryor. It's not even close. And those guys were the 14th best offense in the NFL. Why? Because they had good coaching. These guys are are going to are now well underway to being the worst offense in the history of the NFL in a year where offenses are flying off the charts and the rules couldn't make it easier to score points. How could you possibly look at anything other than coaching? And I, I know that everyone, Benjamin, I'm not, I'm not defending him here, but I honestly don't blame him for the lack of even caring. Because if you look to your coaches who seem to not be putting you in a position to win games or to do anything, why the fuck should you care? Why? Why care if nobody else around you cares? I, I if I was Sean McCoy, I'd be rip shit. Oh, oh, I I would have pulled a, a Vontae Davis. I, I understand now and, why Vontae Davis yeah. retired at half. And the moment that Brandon Bean said this past week that Sean McCoy is in our 2019 plans, I'm I'm not even showing up to the field. I'm not even showing up. And and if any NFL GM wants to talk to me about it. I'll look him straight in the eye and say, you wouldn't either. And beyond that, everyone keeps talking about the cap space that we have and whatnot. Terry Pagula, guess what? You're about to pay a 25% premium on every single player that you get to even convince them to come to the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I agree. I I don't know why anybody would come here. We have to spend money on the offensive side of the ball. Oh, well, time out. We should spend money on the offensive side of the ball. For all we know, these boners are going to go out and spend money on the defense again. Oh, Trent Murphy, he's looking great. He hasn't played in two games. But they have to spend money. They should spend money on the offensive side of the ball. What player is going to want to come here? I, why? Why would you? Everyone keeps saying, well, we need receivers. We'll find them in free agency. One, who's available? Two, who the fuck in his right mind is going to come play for this team where his stats are just going to get buried in a black hole? Yeah. Every single veteran that we've also brought in here seems to just quit on us. Anquan Bolden, he was like, fuck no. Kelvin this, Benjamin. It's not worth it. Not worth it. We cut Jeremy Curley. Lord knows what was going on with him. Vontae Davis. So I don't know what this process is. I know that last year it looked like these guys were all in on for each other, and they still might be. And we've talked a lot this season about how last year was mostly a fluke, and we even mentioned as much a lot last year as well. But I don't know, Cass. At this point, are we looking at a new head coach in January? And if that's the case, I come back to what I said. Great. Thanks so much. I got all the cap room in the world, but I got no goddamn draft picks and no decent players left in this team because you gave it all up for Josh Allen that yeah. nobody wanted and probably isn't going to want next year either. And, and honestly, if we, if we go after a new head coach, what does Sean McDermott need to do this season to save his job? Because I honestly, right now, I don't want it. I, I, let's go for number one pick. Let's tank. Let's just keep sucking. Like, and just clear it all out again. Let's just, fuck, God, we got to start all over. I can't, can't do it anymore. Well, let's get somebody on the phone. Maybe they can help brighten our spirits. Uh, I do, I do want to give my my Jenny Cremel bummer of the game. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, Philip Gaines. Oh, yeah. Oh, just god awful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy that you managed to find somebody on the defensive side of the ball. But, yeah, he deserved the hell out of that. Yeah, he, he is just terrible and can we can we bump on the line when 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 the bears do it somehow it's not pass interference and they did get a pick six there 
Poor Nate Peterman. Uh, poor Nate Peterman. We haven't even talked about Nate Peterman. Yeah. What's there to say? Hopefully over Christmas, the, the ghost of Nate Peterman past, like, comes and then, and then he becomes a new person and, and goes out and has some career maybe doing something else other than being a professional quarterback. And, you know, we've made the joke before, but, like, it, 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 it's worth saying again. If this guy is all about God's plan, then he's not listening to what God is very clearly telling him, which is football ain't for you, kid. Yeah. I mean, if, if we truly believe in the word of God, then we need to listen up because even the non-believers can read the writing on the wall. Okay, Cass, let's see who's available to, <laughs> let's do it. to take, take the burden we've, we've off us for a little bit. We've gone to God Sitting here in limbo But I know it won't be long Before we figure out who we're going to get on the line here, Cass, any money at stake this weekend at mybookie.ag? Yep, because I am glutton for punishment and I'm an emotional better. Yes. Of course I took the bills. Minus 10 home dogs? Hell yeah! I'm going to put five bucks against that. Or plus 10, sorry, plus 10 home dogs. Wow. What? When am I going to learn? I, I am almost just as bad as Brian Dable running on second down. <laughs> like, I'm. you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I am not going to be Brian Dable. I'm going to be better than you. And I am not betting on the Bills for the rest of the year. And that's going to be fun. Hey, you know, uh, I know it's I know it's some liberal trash that you would never give the light of day to. But you should. I've been curious. Like, 538 does do like their betting odds on a weekly basis. I've been curious, like if you were just to bet along their predictions, how you would manage, maybe you try that. Maybe our listeners yeah. try that. Yeah. And and get a 50% match on your first deposit with the promo code beers over at mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Some of the most trustworthy betting sites on the interwebs, NFL, college, college basketball, boxing, you name it. Maybe even stuff coming up here for the midterms on Tuesday. Who knows? You'll have to go to mybookie.ag to find out. And when you do, use that promo code beers. Get you that money. <laughs> well, that sound means it's time for Tacos Calientes. Oh, yeah, that's me. It's Tacos Calientes. What are we calling? Oh, fuck, I give up. <laughs> Uh, as everybody knows, Tacos Calientes is Tex-Mex for hot takes, and here with the Tacos Mas Calientes and La Planeta is Jim and Jeff Day, down in Austin, Texas. Jeff, how you doing today? Hey, guys. You know, uh, doing well. Uh, enjoying, uh, aside from the football game, of course, enjoying a beautiful day here down in Austin. Good for you. Um, but the product that was put on the, on the field in front of us today, far from beautiful. No, uh, I don't think that anybody would use the word beautiful in any capacity to describe it. Uh, so what do you got for us today in the ways of Tacos Calientes? Well, I was going through the um, – uh, I was going to try and uh, try and avoid talking too much about the Nate Peterman situation um, because we just sort of know what that is. But I was sitting here prior to you guys giving me a call, and I was jotting down the name of the 11 offensive players that started for the Buffalo Bills today. And going through each of them individually, trying to guess how many of these players will be part of the 11 starting offensive players next year. And I'm going through here, 
And as I can currently identify it, Nate Peterman at quarterback, no. LaShawn McCoy at running back, unlikely. Bo Dean at center, God, I hope not. Vlad Dukas at left guard, God, we hope not. John Miller at right guard, I think he may still be there. Jordan Mills at right tackle, God, we hope not. Um, Deion Dawkins at left tackle, yes, he'll still be there. Kelvin Benjamin as receiver, God, no. We'll come back to him in a second. Zay Jones as receiver, yes, likely still there. Uh, Andre Holmes as a receiver, God, no. And Charles Clay, we're not going to resign. So I'm looking at this roster, and to the best of my estimation, we will have three of the offensive players that we saw start this game start next year's roster, and that's probably Deion Dawkins, uh, John Miller, and Zay Jones. I think you're crazy. And Nate Peterman is 100% going to be on the roster next year. <laughs> what, is, what, is, what does God have to do with this, too, Jeff? Oh, gosh. Here's the thing, guys. I went into this game irrationally confident. Irrationally confident in this team. And don't ask me why irrationally confident in Nate Peterman. Here we go. We're going to talk about him anyway. Go ahead. And I just finally felt like, okay, you know what? He's got the full week to prepare. I still sort of believe that Nate. Um, And, you know, Khalil Mack's not playing for the Bears. So that is a big plus for him. Um, and you know what? He went out there, and of course, a lot of those turnovers weren't his fault. But yet, somehow, in large, you said it via text, and maybe you and Kathy have discussed it already. He is God, who he seems to listen to, <laughs> is telling him not to play this sport. Right. Whether it's his fault, whether it's not his fault, at this point, when he's on the field, bad things happen. That's right. Over and over. Hey, hey! But wait, one thing we haven't mentioned today, though, there was a first for him today. This was the first game that he started and finished. <laughs> that's that's oh gosh, that's crazy. And it's and it, it easily could have been one in which he didn't for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, if we, if Namely, we had if, if we didn't have Matt Barkley as our goddamn backup today, he probably wouldn't have. I think that's one hundred percent true. <laughs> I think that's one hundred percent true. And. The play that I found most infuriating among a litany of plays to choose from was the play at the end of the first half when the Bills are down 28 to nothing. We have the ball on the Bears' 37-yard line only because of penalties, by the way. Uh, Bears, like, uh, 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 face mask on Peterman. So there's zero seconds in the clock. We get one more play. We're down 28 nothing. We forego the opportunity for a 54-yard field goal in favor of a Nate Peterman-led Hail Mary attempt. Okay, that could be debated. So then during this play um, in which by definition of a Hail Mary, you're just throwing the ball up into the end zone. You don't care if it gets intercepted. That's the whole point of why you call it a Hail Mary. Nate Peterman, you should know that. Right. Now, Although I, 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 get him, I get him I get him uh, pegged for a Protestant. Yeah, I was going to say, is he Catholic? I, I don't, don't know about that. I don't that. think he's a Catholic guy, but go ahead. Okay, yeah, sorry. I don't know the difference, guys. <laughs> I'm not a religious guy myself. So anyway, anyway, instead of throwing the ball into the end zone, Nate Hail Mary Peterman decides to bring the ball down and run. This quarterback decides there's zero seconds on the clock. I'm going to try and run 40 yards into the end zone. That's, that's, because 
That's his definition of Hail Mary, maybe? I mean, yeah. To run? Peter Man. I mean, it probably was more likely to get into the end zone. I mean, like, who, who did he think he was? Like, Vince Young playing for the Longhorns? I mean, like, that just doesn't happen. It's, it was, it's, it's indescribable. And then what, and then, so, I mean, I just was beyond words at that point. And then we come out and <clears throat> on the first drive of the second half, now let it be known, of course, the score has not changed. It's still 28 nothing, And now we have even less time in the game remaining. And we're down at the 30, 35-yard line. And it was fourth down. And I don't remember the exact yardage. Um we decide to kick a field goal there. Right. And so what I don't understand is the what I don't understand is the logic to not kick a 54-yard field goal with time expiring in the first half. So even if you miss it, it's not like you're giving up good field position. There is no more play. And then your bed your best player then you put him on the bench. Yeah, and then yeah, that's right. And then in the and then in the second half when it's fourth and I don't remember what we then decide to kick a field goal. I just don't understand. And, and again, you could, I'm not, if you decided to kick a field goal in, in both instances or go for it in both instances, I think all of that could be de- debated. But what, but what the inconsistency on that, this decision is what I don't understand. All right, I, if you're looking for an explanation here, you're not going to get one because I don't understand it no, either. No, yeah, there is no explanation. There's no sound explanation. It's part of the process, then, I guess. I guess McDermott's got to look at the tape. That just brings me to that just brings me to the hot take that we that we've uh, continued to repeat on this pod and, and, and beat like a dead horse, and I just I get, I'm just getting fed up because Kelvin Benjamin has quickly become my least favorite Bill in recent memory, and I am the first one to raise my hand to be willing to admit I have I have given some of our receivers both past and present a hard time on this pod and outside of it, but none have I had anywhere near the actual level of disdain. For, as I have for Kelvin Benjamin. Guys like Marquise Goodwin, guys like Donald Jones, guys like Zay Jones, whom I have given a hard time on this podcast, has rarely been out of a lack of effort, just out of a lack of talent. And Kelvin Benjamin, on the other hand, the reason for my level of vitriol toward him is because the guy runs routes at 70% effort and therefore never comes down with balls that are 50 50. Often, often, case in this case, I think not once, but perhaps twice, made interceptions thrown by Nate Peterman look like Peterman's fault when it was actually Kelvin Benjamin's lack of effort that helped contribute to them. And what I don't understand is what is this guy putting on tape? What is this guy contributing to the football team that the coaches are justifying leaving him on this team? I would rather have us pull guys from the practice squad, whether it's Brandon Riley, somebody that we've seen do something. I don't care. Give Terrell Pryor more playing time. Let's see if he's something. We know Kelvin Benjamin sucks, and he's not going to be on this team next year. And, and, and he, I just don't understand what the guy's doing to deserve playing time but still. Here, but here's the thing. That all, Jeff, I 100% agree with you, but that all boils up to the leadership of the team, to the coaching, because, number one, they've allowed him to get away with that. Like, and, and, and Benjamin, I, I said this earlier, Benjamin probably is like, well, coaches don't give a fuck. Why should I give a fuck? Like, there's there's zero amount of accountability accountability yeah. ac- across the board. So the last time that I remember even saying anything remotely like this about a Buffalo Bills player was in 2015 with Mario Williams. And I honestly mm-hmm. I honestly can't think between these two 
I, I've never had a reason to dislike a Bills player. We've had plenty of reasons to be thoroughly fed up with Bills players. Uh, look no further than most of last season and, and are screaming about Tyrod Taylor. But guys who, like, just, as you said, I mean, quite thoroughly and, you know, undisputably, guys who are giving no effort and don't seem to look like they care. And and I don't what I don't understand also, Jeff, in, in addition to what is he doing that makes the coaching staff put him out there on a weekly basis, why does he think this is okay? He ultimately is going to suffer way more consequences for this than the Buffalo Bills. Because if he gave if he gave a lot of effort this year, the Bills might go somewhere from drafting fourth overall to 14th overall. That might be the extent of it. But for him, this is costing him millions and millions of dollars. That's right. He's still on his rookie contract. Oh, do you think he's going to get something better than vet minimum next year? Right. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. Forget forget about like it, it feels like the effort of a player who's already made his money in the league AKA and Mario is just Williams. sort of right. And like a Mario Williams, and it's just sort of over. Yeah, I agree with you because. This guy's on a rookie contract. You know, he's obviously made a decent season, made a little bit of money, but it's the second and third contracts where the players, of course, always make their money, and he's not setting himself up for one. What team's going to look at his performance and his inability to catch contested balls? We all we all knew he couldn't separate, and you're li- you're willing to live with that because you you just c- catch contested balls. The guy can't catch contested balls. No, he's worthless. Yeah, even even one into triple coverage that hits him. In the hand. In the end zone. In the end zone. All he has to do is come down with the ball. Up, there it goes. All he has to do is be strong. Yeah. All he has to do is be be 260 pounds and six foot five. That's half the battle for him. It's just showing up. Yeah, he dwarfed everybody that was around him on that triple coverage. Just be strong. Just want it. All right. Here's the last thing, guys. Go for it. Here's just a crazy stat. All right, so we're nine games through the season. We all know that LaShawn McCoy has zero touchdowns, period, rushing or receiving. Yep. So we're, we're 57% of the way through the season. He's played in every game. No, he hasn't. Uh, no. I believe. No. Did, did he miss a game? He missed the game for concussion. He missed, you're right. Okay, apologies. So he's played in eight games. So he's, he's played in 50 You know, yeah. total, total, total rushing yards for LaShawn McCoy. Nine, nine games into the season. You got to take a guess? 380. 257 yards. I was going to say, 270 was my guess. We have LaShawn McCoy is on pace, you know, and and that's, of course, not all all to his fault. But LaShawn McCoy is on pace to to run for under 500 yards. Yeah, which would have been less than than Tyrod Taylor rushed for last year. That's right. He's run for 257 rushing yards this season. I mean – and, again, we can open up the debate on is it LaShawn McCoy, is it not LaShawn McCoy. You just – at some point, we all like LaShawn McCoy, and, he's a, and he adds a lot to this team, I think, outside of just on the field as well. But the numbers don't lie. The performance doesn't lie. Yes, he's getting crushed in the backfield a lot of the times. But as we've said, I think, uh, repeatedly on this pod, there's this – the notion of running to LaShawn McCoy is not working. Right. Period. End of sentence. Try something different. You know? I mean, running with Chris Ivory is working sometimes. Not as nearly as consistent as it needs to be to be a productive offense. 
but there is there's something about the way that he runs and the way that this offensive line blocks or lack thereof of which Chris Ivory's running style is required. Now, don't get me wrong. Chris Ivory is not particularly good catching the ball out of, uh, no. um, out of the backfield, and LaShawn McCoy is. But it is a broken system. We are trying the same thing over and over again. I'm sure you've already touched upon it. The whole second and ten, let's run for one yard uh, system here is not working. No. Um, and it's, it, it's, it, it's hard because it's not just one player. This, this group of 11, 12 – I mean, we got – when we're putting talent out there like Logan Thomas trying to, you know, play tight end, it's just Logan Thomas is, is going to be one of the worst, is probably the 40th best tight end in the NFL. <laughs> you know, Kelvin Benjamin is, without a doubt, in my opinion, the 32nd best number one wide receiver. Might oh. be the 40th. He's got it. What do you think Kelvin Benjamin is in terms of the best? He's got to be the 40th best receiver in the 40 NFL. The 50th. I mean, even yeah, by the keep numbers. Going, keep going up there. He's got zero touchdowns. You know? Or he's got one touchdown. Sorry. Keep going up. So. Right. So, so, so we got, you know, our number one wide receiver is the 50th best receiver. Today, our number one tight end is the 40th best, you know, the 30 or 40th best tight end. I mean, it's like our center is the 30th best center. You know, our left and right guards are the 30th best guards. The, the way that this offense has been constructed in its entirety, and this is why the problem is difficult to solve because it's not just one player. And it's probably not just one coach. The entire construction of this thing, including all of the players and including the coaches, is 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 is, is obviously don't become one of the most historically bad offensive teams in the history of a league without a lot of things going wrong, and we're seeing the uh, the results of that effort. Well, I'm going to bring it full circle here because you start off uh, listing off all the players who won't be back in this offense next year, so. Hopefully, if these guys stay in charge, they can build an offense that's in their image. Uh, I guess if you're going to be optimistic about it, they're, they've got players who don't fit their image right now. Uh, they'll have an opportunity to find guys who do, like they have on the defensive side of the ball, and turn things around. It's not going to take much next year for people to think that this offense has gotten a lot better, which is the trap that Bills fans fall into a lot. Yes. Compared to yes. Bills' offenses of the past, it may look good, but it may still be a bad offense. We'll have to wait and see. Jeff, what were you drinking down there in Austin today? Uh, drinking a combination of uh, Bloody Marys, a nice Bloody Mary bar. Uh, make your own Bloody Mary Ooh. bar at the uh, a, a, yeah, a new element to the Bills bar here in, in Austin, that. Texas. Ooh. Sign me so, up. so that was yeah, that was enjoyable, uh, and then just um, stuck with the Labatt Blues, which are you know also part of the Bills menu at the uh, at the Parlor and Yard Bills Bar here in Austin. Glad to hear. Well, it sounds like Austin is getting less and less Texas every day, so I'm glad you're there to be a part of it. Je <laughs> Jeff, I, I always love. I think our palates are like long lost siblings or something. Seems so. They really are. Okay, I always buddy. Appreciate your your. All right, guys. Until next time. All right, buddy. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. Go Bills. Time now for Mr. Fix-It. He's Chicago's hardest-working landlord living in Milwaukee. What does Suge say? Just fix it! Just fix it! Just fix it! Buffalo Bill Nichols here telling us what about these Buffalo Bills he's going to fix. Where to begin, oh, Bill? Man. Where to begin? What you fixing? I don't know, man. I'm I, I'm trying to fix. I'm thinking about uh, so my condo back in Chicago. We had to just replace the uh, all the uh, roofing and the flashing because over the over the course of the last 
two, three years, water has infiltrated the walls and has like started to uh, impact the interior, uh, therefore impacting the individual units. Uh, so I'm trying to think of what this leaky roof is. <laughs> what, I mean, what would you possibly pick? The entire team? It can't be. That's what you're no. here for, is tell us. I know, but what can you, I mean, there's literally nothing to fix other than the entire fucking team. It's a disaster. I've never seen anything. This is purely unwatchable. It's unwatchable. It's it's insane. It's, it, like, here's the thing. It's, it, it is, un, the only reason it's watchable is because it's almost comical. Yeah, it's gotten to that point where it, I was with Cass there in the in the fourth quarter, kind of open. We didn't score that touchdown because I kind of wanted the streak to streak to remain. I know, I know. <laughs> it's so true. Oh man, I do feel a little bit of from our boy Spearman, though. The dude, <laughs> he's not catching the break. No, he cannot catch a single break. No, do not go to do not go to Vegas and make the man. He will ease the straight cooler. Man, he walks into a casino and everyone loses money. So if, if we are, in fact, suggesting that some preternatural force is keeping Nate Peterman from being an effective quarterback, <laughs> why then why then do we keep pointing to his faith in God as a reason why he would be kept around? It seems to me that preternatural forces, like God, are not on his side. Something is yeah, I think God, something's wrong. I mean, God's telling him, God's telling him something, and that's... It's, uh, bro, this ain't for you. What were you drinking up there in Milwaukee today? I'm drinking a uh, IPA. Sounds delicious. It, it is delicious, man. It's just like, keeps me going throughout the day, keeps me awake during the uh, sleepiness of what our team is. Has it gotten to the point Got for little... you as well that, like, you just resent watching other teams? Like you resent watching football that's even remotely entertaining. Yeah. 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 I mean, it doesn't make sense to me how it could be that bad. Like how? How can other? How we can be such a difference than these other teams? We make it's it look just... so hard. How, how do the 49ers <laughs> have a third-string quarterback that comes out and throws for like 300 yards and a couple touchdowns on Thursday night? And we yeah. we can't find a friggin' quarterback. Yeah, it's bad. In twelve years. Yeah, it turns out Kyle Shanahan's a lot better at his job than Brian Dable. How about that? <laughs> glad we, glad still, we didn't hire I him. Mean, I mean, I'm fine. I'm fine for fire him. Oh, oh, we turned you. We turned you since last week. Yeah, I know. I said I, I said I would have been fine with it. I wouldn't have cared either way. We'll I'm go. not on like the train. I'm not on the train of it like being completely as well. But it is. I think I am understanding what you, your point being like. Okay, it can be bad, but yeah, you would think there would be some glimmers of hope in or, the, like, the the scheming or something. I mean, some, you or, could call like or any, something would happen. Anything even resembling competence, man. It's been, yes. dude, three touchdowns in 26 quarters, two of which were quarterback runs. Zero yeah. touchdowns for Shady McCoy in nine games. Yeah. So that alone, that alone puts the there's no talent on this team right out the window. 
because he's got all the talent you could possibly ask for, and even he can't do shit. Yeah, and isn't our offensive line supposed to be better in run blocking than pass blocking? That hasn't been the case, but... Right. Anyhow, well, we'll hopefully... Who are we playing? Are we playing the Jets next week? Did I get that right? I don't even... Like, I honestly, I haven't even looked. <laughs> I think it's... And then we, but at least we have a bye week, right? The week after that? Week after that is yes. a bye. Yeah. All righty. That's going to be great. All righty. I'll be back. I'll be back in Buffalo for Thanksgiving, and I was talking to my dad earlier today, and he's like, oh, you're going to come to the game uh, with me, right? And I'm like, I thought about it for a second. And I was like, yeah, I mean, yes, of course. You know what I mean? But I was just like, uh, uh, yep, yeah, I am. I'll be excited about it, but yeah, it's bad. Well, until next week, Bill, uh, enjoy Milwaukee, and we'll try yeah, to enjoy. Yeah, much you can. I mean, there's not much we can say. I just, I, I don't know. Like in two weeks from now, what are we gonna? Like, what do you, well, what do you say? I, I don't know. I'm spe- I, at this point, we've said it all. Like it's, it's the same shit yeah. every week. And that's what we said up top. Like, if, if people are still listening to this podcast, God bless them. I wish we had something new to say. I wish we had something interesting to say, but we don't. It's just the yeah. same shit. So, yep. away we go. We'll we'll get you on the line Whatever. next week. Until then, go Bills. All right, guys. Looking, looking forward to it. Go Bills. Go Bills. Well, we're coming up on the end of the episode, which means it's the wild card portion of today's episode. It's the wild card. This is Bills and Beers. We talk about the Buffalo Bills. We do so drinking beer. I was not drinking any beer today and won't be for the rest of the month of November. Cass, what were you enjoying? I blame you. Um, some good old-fashioned Labatt Blue Lights. We didn't hear from the president of the Bills backers of Chicago, Sujit, today. Uh, but he did submit a, an idea for the wild card, and uh, I'm going to tie it to Nate Peterman. And I don't, I don't know what the – he must have watched the movie on the plane back from Orlando today, but uh, he was referencing the scene in Goodwill Hunting wherein uh, Robin Williams' character, Sean, repeats over and over to Matt Damon's character, Will, it's not your fault. And finally, he breaks down – and cries and gives him a big hug and has a big old sob. So today, watching Nate Peterman out there, at what point did Nate Peterman just collapse into our arms and sob after repeatedly telling him, it's not your fault, it's not your fault? Cass, what moment, of, you know, do I have one yet? Go ahead, go ahead. Let me come up with this. I didn't know where we were, we were going to take this because we didn't pre-discreen it. So, so there's a couple you could choose from, but I'm gonna I'm gonna reference the one that that you. I mean, first off, it's not. It is mostly his fault. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's start there. But I mean, like, he is a grown adult. Suge isn't here. He's gonna be pissed that we didn't call him. And uh, you know, uh, uh, both of us are too brain dead to think of anything else. So. Um, I'm gonna say it was the it was the fourth down end zone throw to Kelvin Benjamin where you know it just wasn't Peterman's fault. He threw two interceptions today. One went to the house. There was a fumble recovery that went to the house. Um, it's just it just wasn't his fault. These just it just wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault. And that one it just wasn't his fault. And at that point, I think I think that was the moment when. You know, if I was him, that, that might have broken my spirit, that play. Because he threw a nice ball. Yeah, he, yeah, he, it was a great ball. ball. It was where, perfectly where placed. Only his giant receiver could get it. His giant receiver did get it. He just couldn't bring it in. 
And you know, Nate, in this case, it wasn't your fault. Cass? So I've already touched on this play, but I'm going to go to the two-point conversion because at that point, Nate Peterman can only throw the play that is called. Right. Because he for sure, and I don't know why he wouldn't, at that point, like, you're already, like, hated by so many people in Bill's Nation. I don't know why he wouldn't audible out of that. I don't know why he has this blind faith in our coaching staff. I do blame that on him. That is his fault. He has blind faith in a lot of yeah, things. Yeah, he's got faith he definitely has. But at that point, I'm just like, Nate, it's not your fault. You suck as a quarterback. You're being told to throw a pass that has no chance of ever being competed by a Bills player in a Bills uniform. But he had to do it. He just had to do it because you know what? He has the respect of the coaches. He has the respect of the team. And you know what? He's not going to let that go because he's a stand-up individual. So we are playing the Jets next weekend. We're in New York. I have no idea how that's going to go. Wait, we're, we're at home, you mean? Oh, or we're in New Jersey. We're in New Jersey, we're correct. In New Jersey. Uh, important clarification to make there. Um, no idea what's going to happen in that game. And I don't know if Josh Allen will be back. I, don't, I think at this point, and I think everybody's been assuming it's going to be after the bye. I mean, we're now officially out of the playoffs, right? I mean, like, oh yeah. the rest yeah. of the season is... Why, why, the fuck, why, why didn't we just trade Charles Clay, Kelvin Benjamin, and LeSean McCoy for a bag of peanuts? I mean, why, just trade all three of them for... For a fifth-round pick. The Rams were interested in Jerry Hughes. Yeah, well, Jerry Hughes is a good player, and we need him on our team. But I don't know. So, like, the rest, of the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lost season. Next, next week's game, what, was it, what, what year was it? Was it two years ago when we played the Browns, and we just said this was the stupidest game ever? It was a meaningless game. <laughs> Any game against the Browns? That we won. That, like, it's, Nine yeah, to six? Yeah. It was, it was, I think next week's game is going to be one of the stupidest games we'll ever play because – It'll be the last game before Josh Allen comes back because he'll probably come back after the bye. We have to go against goddamn Sam Darnold. Uh, it's a uh, it's a, a division Dweeb. game, so we we kind of have to care. But I don't know. We'll we'll wait and see what happens. Use the promo code Beers at mybookie.ag. Search for Bills and Beers on the internet and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell everybody knowing Bills Nation how you found us. Cass, it was uh, as much as it could have been. It was a pleasure watching the second half of the game and recording this podcast with you. And if you've listened this far, you are a saint. Thank you. Nate, Nate Peterman will crown you a saint. You are a saint in Nate Peterman's world. Thank you so much. Put $5 towards my bookie and this podcast will keep coming your way. Uh, until then, until next week in the Meadowlands, go Bills. The Bills make me want to shout.